Go ahead and take your Bibles and go to John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4. We're going to look at quite a few Scriptures this morning. And I want to teach something very important, something that we all need to understand and something that will hopefully help you understand kind of what I want the focus of this church to be and something all of our focus should be on. And sadly, one of the things... Um, you know, we can, it's real easy for us as individuals and as a church, we can get off track going after the wrong things without even thinking about it, without even realizing it. And we can kind of see how simple this is when we look at these scriptures. And what I want to talk about this morning is focusing on the spiritual over the physical. You know, most people today, they are, they're always looking for physical needs to be met. They're looking for solutions to physical problems. And really what we are all about as a church is more about the spiritual. And people love the stories about the miracles of Jesus because they like thinking about, you know, God doing those physical things for them. You know, it's, it's neat hearing about Jesus, uh, you know, raising up a crippled man and raising someone from the dead. Uh, we all love the story about the five loaves and the two fish and we, and to think about how God can provide. And, but we're always thinking on the physical sense. And listen, God can provide for you. God can take care of your needs. He can heal you physically. But you know, sometimes He doesn't. And the truth is, these stories that are in the Bible, they weren't there. Jesus didn't do these miracles just to take care of those physical needs. He was trying to show them that He was God and so they would realize that He does have the power to help them out spiritually, which is far more important. It is so much more important to take care of the spiritual things over the physical. And so let's look at these Scriptures here where Jesus is trying to get across some spiritual things, but we see that the people kind of, some of the people had a tough time getting it. And I think we have the same problem in churches today. People are coming into churches hoping to get a physical need taken care of. And we're not supposed to be in that business, we're trying to help people out spiritually. And churches, unfortunately, sometimes are forgetting that and they're getting focused on the physical things instead of the spiritual. So let's look and see what the Bible says. But in John chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Then cometh he, talking about Jesus, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour... There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For His disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Okay, Now here we have Jesus wanting something to drink. His disciples are getting meat. There's nothing wrong with taking care of the physical needs, is there? Okay, Obviously, Jesus had to eat. He had to drink. Our physical needs need to be taken care of. Okay, But there is something that's more important than that, and that is the spiritual needs. So verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him that he would give thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Once again, we know Jesus wasn't talking about physical water, but she doesn't get it yet, does she? 
But she gets it pretty quick. In fact, we're going to see she gets this a lot faster than many of the Jews did and Jesus' disciples. And she said in verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Folks, this is so important. When it comes to physical needs, you can take care of a physical need, but it's going to come back, isn't it? We can give you all a drink of water here physically, but you're going to get thirsty again. We can feed you, but you're going to get hungry again. We could give you money, but it's going to run out and you're going to need money again later. Okay? But this, what we're supposed to be in the business of doing, these, it's, per, it's a permanent fix. It's a one-time thing. It's living water. Thank the Lord, the one who got saved this morning doesn't need to get saved again. They will live forever. Living water, that is what it's all about. And Jesus said, you can drink this water, but you're going to get thirsty again. Verse, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Okay, so she still doesn't get it. She's thinking, I would love it if I didn't have to draw water again. Okay, and that's what she just asked for. Give me that water so I don't have to draw water anymore. Get, fix my problems so I don't have to worry about problems anymore. Wouldn't we all love it if we can get our financial problems fixed today? But then the problem is we're going to have some more tomorrow, aren't we? But imagine getting it fixed where we didn't have to worry ever again. Okay, That would really be nice. And boy, we all get excited thinking about that. Why? Because we do get focused on the physical things. And that's kind of where her mind is still at. And So Jesus now, He's going to try to get her thinking spiritual a little bit here. And so, one thing we all have to do to get saved, we've got to realize that we're a sinner. And Jesus, in a very nice way, is kind of pointing out her sin here. She saith unto her, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidst truly, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in the mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We worship, or we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. The Samaritans, they had their own things that they did that wasn't right. Salvation was of the Jews. They were supposed to worship in Jerusalem at that time. The temple was the place where they would give the sacrifices. It was for the Jews. But He said, the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. And yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city 
and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Notice this woman. She realizes she's a sinner. She realizes, she believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. She, I know that you are the Messiah. She understood that. And Jesus, He tells her, but you know, it's not a, the hour is already here. Okay, where we're going to worship the Father in spirit and the truth. That's what God's looking for. God wasn't looking for a physical nation. He was looking for a spiritual people. He wasn't looking for physical people. He was looking for spiritual, those who would be born again, those who would be born of the Spirit, like we see in John chapter 3. And so, uh, and notice this woman who is a Samaritan got saved. She goes and brings the people in her town to Christ, and they all got saved. They got born spiritually. Jesus gave them the very thing He came to give the world. Not physical water, spiritual water, living water, like we sang about in the songs. But then notice here in verse um, 31, or then verse 30, then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the, in the mean, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Okay, and Jesus is going to try to teach him something here. They're, you know, hey, we got the meat. You know, Lord, here's the food. Lord, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And then, therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Once again, Jesus is talking spiritually, isn't He? But they're not getting it. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent Me and to finish His work. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. You all see what's going on here? Jesus is trying to get His disciples to focus on the spiritual thing. He's saying, hey, you know, you all know that there is a harvest time that comes in the fall, but Jesus said, look at right now, the fields are white, all ready to harvest. They were about to have a harvest of souls, weren't they? And that's why Jesus was really there. Jesus didn't come to give physical water, to give physical food. He came to give spiritual water, spiritual bread, and then turn over to John chapter 6. But Unfortunately, people still struggle with this, okay? And the disciples struggled with this. The Jews, they struggled with this. We see people like the Samaritans and Gentiles, they got it quicker often than the Jews did. But even today in churches, it's like people still don't get what Jesus Christ is all about. People think, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to start doing good, and it's going to take care of all my physical problems. But we're going to see here that that is not what this is all about. We do. We, if, if you've got a need, a financial need, a physical need, boy, we hope it gets taken care of. We'll pray for you. You know, We'll try to help you. But that is not the most important thing. And many people, they will walk away from God. They'll walk away from church because physical things aren't being taken care of. Many people won't go to church because they get nothing physically from it, but that is not what we're about. And look at John chapter 6, verse 23. This is after the story of the five loaves and two fish. And everybody loves to hear preaching about the five loaves and two fish and to talk about how, you know, if the Lord can multiply loaves and bread, He can multiply your bank account. You know, He can multiply your money. He can multiply your substance. And boy, you can just be filthy rich and, you know, and you. Send me money, and you know that's how the Lord will make you rich. You know, you all seen those people before. But uh, John chapter six, verse twenty-three, that wasn't the message. When Jesus multiplied those loaves and those fish, okay, he didn't just do that 
so the people wouldn't be hungry anymore. He did that showing them who He was so He could give them real bread. The bread of life, which was Him. And in verse 23... And this is after, right after this happens. It says, Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. Now notice this multitude. There's 5,000 plus women and children. Now what preacher today, and then Jesus kind of goes to get away from them pretty much. Now, what preacher today is going to run away from 5,000 people? Okay, Our preachers today, it's all about getting the multitudes to come, right? Hey, what, what do we got to do to get the multitudes to come in? Right? We, we've got to do something to get the multitudes in. And so, you know, they'll put on, you know, when we were away in Branson, we watched a guy that does an amazing juggling trick. You know, let, let's get jugglers in here and, you know, put on a fancy show for the people. You know, let's bring in the fancy singers. Let's bring in the bands. Let's get all the fancy lights and everything. Let, I mean, we got to do something to get these people in here, folks. You know, we were talking about before in church. You know, how a lot of churches now, you know, the people are so asleep in the churches they can't pay attention to announcements. So they're literally making like commercials that they show in church to tell people the announcements so they'll pay attention. And I was like, you know, why don't we just get a clown? And have him come in and do a little dance routine and stuff, and do the. I mean, that'll get everybody's attention, right? And I'm telling you, churches are getting to that point. It's that much about entertainment. So, because what you know, what determines whether a church is good or successful? Well, it's how many people are there, right? That's who everybody wants to follow. The one who can get the crowd, right? But notice, Jesus has this multitude, and it's like he's trying to get away from them, and this multitude's following after them. But you'll notice that. Jesus, he's, he's, it's almost like He's trying to run them off. He obviously doesn't want to run them off, but He knows their hearts. And He knows that what these people are looking for is not what He is here for. And we've had people that have come through this church and it was very clear what they were looking for. They were looking for a place where they can come and they could be entertained. They were looking for a place where they could maybe just come and get something physically. But that is not what we're here for. And we don't run those people off. We try to tell them what we're all about and try to give them the message of the Gospel. But many times it runs people off. But we're going to see after Jesus gives people these messages and makes it clear why He's really here, He loses the multitude real fast. And look at what it says. We'll keep reading in verse 24. So when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither His disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi... When camest thou hither? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the loaves and were filled. Do you all see this here? Jesus did an amazing miracle back then. He took five loaves and two fish and fed a multitude. Why is nobody asking, Lord, how did you do that? Do you know why they're following Him? Because they're hungry again. They're thinking, hey, this guy fed us. He can feed us again. They came just wanting food. Okay? Now, I'm preaching this today. This is fellowship day. You know, I hope you didn't come today just because you wanted the food afterwards. All right? We're not trying to make you feel bad and don't leave after church thinking, I just came for the spiritual food. You know, you know, we hope you all enjoy the regular food too. But look, that is why they are following him. Okay, they wanted more food. And Jesus said in verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, 
but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Now understand, you and I by now, I think we all know what he's talking about here. Okay? We're saved people in here today. We've been around church long enough. We know what he's talking about, but they are not getting it. Verse 28, they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Hey, how can we multiply loaves and fish? How can we make sure we all have plenty to eat? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. That's what we're supposed to do. be trying to get people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to believe in Him. He's not wanting you to figure out how you can have everything you'll ever want to eat and have all your physical provisions taken care of. He wants you to be saved. Verse 30, They said therefore unto Him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Wasn't the five loaves and two fish a good enough sign right there? But no, we want to see another sign. Our Father... And here's the sign they wanted. It's like they're suggesting this to them. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. It is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Notice how they quoted Scripture at Jesus. Hey, we'd like to see that. Our fathers got to eat manna. They were taking care of every day in that wilderness. Every morning they went out and there was manna all over the ground. They had plenty to eat. Hey, could you do that for us? We would like to see that. That would be good. That would take care of our physical need. Okay? And that is an amazing story about how God fed the manna in the wilderness. But notice, Jesus didn't really think much of that miracle. Feeding somebody is not a big deal to Christ. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Once again, thinking physical food. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to Me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on Me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen Me and believe not. All that the Father hath given Me shall come to Me, and him that cometh to Me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Now, what do we call that day, that last day, when He raises them up? We call that the rapture today, don't we? We call that the return of Christ. When Jesus Christ returns in the clouds, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. With who? The dead in Christ that rise on that day. Okay, And Jesus said, everyone that the Father gives Me, I will raise up at the last day. Now what does that mean? Because He's talking about being the bread of life. Talking about He talks about living water. Jesus talks about those who believe on Him shall never die. But notice He says, all that the Father gives Me, I will raise up. Do you know what that means, folks? That means that everyone who gets saved, they're eventually going to die physically too, aren't they? You all see that? But Jesus said, I'm never going to lose them all. Okay? But these people are thinking physical. What can I do to have this bread where I can live forever? What can I do to have this water so I can live forever? No, you can come to this church and we can give you the Gospel and you can get saved. But listen, I promise it's only a matter of time. The Lord tarries His coming and you are going to die. You're going to have sickness. 
You come around here. You're, you're going you're gonna to have physical problems. You're going to have physical needs. Your bills are going to continue to come. And there might even be a time you're not going to have the money to pay those bills. You're going to feel hunger. You're going to feel thirst sometimes. And let me tell you, if you have, God has not abandoned you. If you're saved, okay, when you die, He'll raise you up at the last day. But a lot of people, if they start struggling, it starts looking like something's going to happen to them and they're going to die. They're thinking, God's abandoned me. God's given up on me. God never promised to give you every little physical thing you want. He came for the spiritual things. Verse 40, And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. He said, you'll have everlasting life, but he's going to raise us up at the last day. So people you know, who get saved, they're going to die too. We have funerals for saved people all the time. Okay, Saved people physically die too. Verse 41. Now you'd think they'd be excited about this, about getting raised up at the last day. But verse 41 says, "...the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven?" Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to Me except the Father which has sent Me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto Me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on Me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Okay? They wanted manna. Jesus told them, hey, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they are dead. Once again, you're, we're only gonna, if we feed you, we're, if I feed you, I'm only gonna fix a temporary problem. Okay? It's kind of like, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but you know, that bum out there begging for money. Now most of us, if we handed a, a bum a $50 bill, we would feel like we were a really good person, wouldn't we? We would feel like we had done a very kind thing. That was very charitable. That was very generous. Giving that bum $50. I'll bet that... I'll bet... You know, maybe I should call him... What's a politically correct term for bum? Uh, what's that? I don't even know what the... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call him a bum. I don't know what the right word is. But, <laughs> but if you did that, he would, be, he, he would be thrilled to death. But here's the thing. You know how fast that 50 bucks is going to go? It's going to go fast. It's going to go real fast. You know what he really needs is a job. But did you know most bums, if you gave them the choice, $50 now or a job, they'd choose $50, wouldn't they? And that's kind of how we are. And how the Jews were. Jesus is like, hey, I'm wanting to give you everlasting life, but they don't want everlasting life. He wants to give them the bread of life. They don't want the bread of life. They want physical bread that they're going to eat and later that day be hungry again. That is not why Jesus came and He said, your fathers, you asked for manna. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead. They all died in the wilderness. They didn't even get to go into the promised land. In verse 49, verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, 
which I will give for the life of the world. Talking about laying down His life. Talking about the crucifixion. The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Once again, they're not getting it. Still thinking about physical food. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth My flesh and drinketh My blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For My flesh is meat indeed, and My blood is drink indeed. He that eateth My flesh and drinketh My blood dwelleth in Me, and I in him. And as the living Father has sent Me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth Me, even he shall live by Me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? Notice his disciples. Lord, this is tough. Okay, now, so I think we all understand this pretty good now. I think we get what he was talking about, but this was really hard for them. They were so focused on the physical needs, they are not understanding the spiritual truth that Jesus did not come to feed people. Okay? He did not come to give them a drink of water. He came to give them everlasting life. He came to give them something spiritually. In verse 61, when Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured at it, He said unto him, Does this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This flesh is good for nothing, folks. It's only here for a little while. No matter what you do, no matter how much you exercise, no matter how much you diet, no matter how healthy you eat, you eventually are going to die, aren't you folks? That's why the Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. Yeah, you might live a little bit longer, but you eventually are going to die. I mean, go ahead. Maybe you strike it rich. You hit the you know you win the lottery or something. You might be able to live a better life financially. You might be able to live a better life physically. You can have more comforts. You'll have more food, but you're eventually going to die. And the Bible teaches what does a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And so many people they think that Christ is still all about the physical. Verse sixty four. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto Me except it were given unto him of My Father. From that time, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Not talking about the twelve, but He had many other disciples besides them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was uh, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So right here we see how after Jesus had everything that any preacher would want. He had a multitude following after Him. People clamoring to come hear Him. But why were they coming? They were coming for the food. And what did Jesus try to do? He tried to get away from them because He knew what was in their hearts. And finally, you know, they find Him and He just tells them the truth and He lost the entire multitude. 
He went from having a multitude following Him to now He's just got the twelve disciples. And once and sadly, many people today are doing the very thing that Jesus was trying to avoid. They are they're focusing on the physical. They're doing all these physical things to get the people in. They're putting on the shows. You know, in America, we're so blessed. Food doesn't even necessarily get people in because people have plenty of food. Maybe if we had, you know, if we said, you know, free, uh, you know, T-bones for everyone that comes. If we put an ad in the paper, we might have a few extra people come because not many people can afford, you know, the T-bones or uh, I don't know whatever some of the fancy, expensive food is. We might get a bigger crowd that way. But you know, nowadays, what do people want more than anything? They want entertainment. Everybody's well fed, so they want to be entertained. They want to go somewhere and they want to have fun. They want to go somewhere and they want to get excited. And you know, it's hard to get tickets to the ball game and it's expensive. You got to drive far. And so, hey, let's go to church and, uh, let, you know, let's turn church into something like a ball game. Let's get everybody jumping and yelling and screaming. Let's have all these contests and giveaways and drawings and raffles. And I mean, it's getting out of control, folks, in a lot of churches. And if we're not careful, we're going to be tempted to go in this direction, and once people will be doing just like them, they're going to be coming. We'll get the multitudes. If we put on the best show in town, we'll probably get the biggest crowds. But who cares if these people aren't even saved? That's not that. That is not the point. We have done nothing for them. If we have the best food here. We might get more people to come as a result of that, but if we don't give them the bread of life, what did we accomplish them? They will be hungry tomorrow. But people who get saved, they're saved forever. And this is how the people were in Jesus' day, and they still are today. They come to church looking for temporary answers for physical problems when we are supposed to be in the business, for lack of a better term, of finding, you're helping people find permanent solutions to spiritual problems. Okay, and this business, if you want to call it that, it's always been a difficult one, and especially now because one, people today are constantly being bombarded with advertisements that appeal to physical needs. Okay? All, all the billboards you see in town, they are going to be advertising physical things. Why? So they can get your money. Okay? The physical things, all the commercials that you see on TV, it's appealing to physical things. You know, commercials about food, commercials about you know different things you can have, uh, you know that you know that are entertaining or fun. They're trying to get your money, appealing to the physical side, and that's what everybody thinks they need. You know, what what do you need to make your life a little better right now? I need more money. Yeah, and then or if I just had plenty to eat, if I had a nice place to live, physical things. That's all they want to talk about. You've got churches. That are preachers that are out there. That's pretty much all they preach about. They do this prosperity gospel. You know, if you go and you know you give this money, you know God's going to give you all these things and trying to tell people how they can become rich. Okay, and there's great preaching in the Bible on how you can handle your finances, and I'm all for preaching that kind of stuff. But you know, we're not going to get focused on how can we make all our people rich. How can we give our people everything they could want physically? That's not the important thing. But that's what people are looking for. That's what the world expects when they come into church. And many of pe- many people's spiritual problems today are even advertised as physical problems. Okay, many and they can you know and these physical or these spiritual problems they will help you with medication, right? 
Many people's problems that they have, they are spiritual problems. Listen, if you live a wicked, wicked life, you're probably going to battle depression. What are you supposed to do about that? Take a pill or get right with God? Okay, I, I, you, I'm telling you right now, you know, there's a reason that we have that. There's a reason we have those feelings, but yet the solution it isn't. It's it's not medication, but yet you don't see commercials on TV for hey, come to church and let's help you with your spiritual problems. You know why? Because one, churches can't afford that, can they? But boy, those drug companies, they can sure afford a lot of commercials, can't they? Are there not a lot of drug commercials on TV? Okay, why? And they advertise like crazy. Why? Because you know those those pills. Some of them are expensive, and if you got good insurance, you don't even have to think about that. You know, it'll pay for all those things. And then, not only did they not help your spiritual problem, but now you've got all these physical side effects that go with that. And so, sadly, though, you know, people they just their focus is all wrong. And we are, we're here helping people spiritually. We, today, we are competing more than ever with places that call themselves churches that are nothing more than what I like to call, you know, community fund centers. It's pretty much what they are. You know, and here's, here's the thing. If they're not preaching the Word of God, it's not a church. Okay? If we come, if we come and we have a big party here and we have all these entertainments and jugglers and clowns and, you know, raffles, yeah, and we're not even preaching the gospel. Why do we even come together? Okay, listen. If people want that kind of stuff, that's what they have carnivals for. Okay, you know, go to the town carnival. That those should be coming up pretty soon. You know, go ride the rides and all that stuff. That's fine. But uh, that's fine outside. But that is not what church is all about. But yet, that's what churches are turning into. If they, if the, if it is not an assembly of born again, baptized believers, it's not a church. It, a church, it's it's saved people meeting together to worship God, to learn about the Scriptures, to exhort each other. And we are not, if we're bringing in a bunch of people who aren't even saved. What is the point? Okay. And if, listen, we want to get lost people in here so we can give them the gospel, and then they can become saved. But today, it's all about the crowd. And yeah, there are plenty of fun things you can do, and you can get a crowd, and you can even you can get a crowd every week. But if they're not even saved people, that's not church, folks. They're not worshiping God. They're just there to please their flesh. And if they're not preaching the word, they're not a church. If they're preaching out of false Bibles, and you know, if they're not even preaching the truth that's in the Bible, if they're trying to twist the scriptures, distort the scriptures, that is not church. If Christ is not the preeminent one, that is not a church. Colossians chapter one verse eighteen says, "You know, Jesus talks about that in all things He might have the preeminence." It says, "He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence." If He is not the focal point, it is not church, folks. And I'm afraid that we have forgotten about what does Jesus Christ want. And we're asking, what do the people want? There's churches out there that got started by going around town and taking surveys from the people. Hey, what do you want to see in church? You know, what would you like more of in church? What would you like less of in church? And they pattern their church after what the people in the community said they wanted. You know what? We don't need a survey. You know what we have? We've got the scriptures that tells us how we ought to have church. You know, I'm not trying to be mean, folks. I do care about you. 
But you know, I don't really care about what, it, what you all think about what a church is all about because the only one that really matters is Jesus Christ. What did He say? What did He command? He is the one that we're trying to please because He is a preeminent one, not the people. Who cares if we have a thousand people here, but Jesus Christ doesn't show up? Who cares if we have, you know, if we're full all the time, but the Holy Spirit is not working? We are meeting in vain if that is the case. And listen, the more satisfied the flesh is, the more difficult it is to help with the spiritual. That's just a fact. This is why poor countries often see greater revivals than rich countries. And why poor people are more likely to be saved than rich people. Jesus Himself said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? The rich man has everything he needs physically. The rich man is he's full. He's got, he's got those things he needs. He's satisfied. His flesh is satisfied. He is not thinking about the spiritual. But sometimes... Those people that are out there that are hungry, oh, they pay a little more attention to those things. I wonder if that's why God wants us to fast. The less satisfied our flesh is, the more in tune we can come with the spiritual. But our flesh is so satisfied in America that people aren't thinking spiritually at all. People, I mean, they have constant entertainment. Have you seen these stupid commercials where they're advertising, you know, how you can put movies? On your phone, and then they've got they show kids at the park watching movies on a cell phone. I mean, we are so addicted to entertainment that we can't even go to the park without watching TV. We got to have that constant entertainment everywhere we go. I mean, there's people they have TVs in their bathrooms, their kitchens. I've seen this. It's just it's crazy. Just addicted to entertainment. I, I I saw I was at a house one, by a house one time and I looked over there and they had this big hot tub in their backyard and this huge TV outside that they can watch in their hot tub and then just right over there to the right they had this really nice patio it was a real fancy neighborhood and they had another one of these huge TVs outside so I mean and I, I'm just gonna guess you go inside the house there's probably TVs everywhere too why Cause they can't go anywhere without Entertainment, got to have that all the time. And a lot of churches are like that nowadays too. I mean, you can't go anywhere in that church without just TVs everywhere. I mean, they've got to have I me. Mean, churches this small, they'll have two of them up on the screen having things constantly going to keep the people's attention because it's like they can't look at a person for an hour. And I know it's probably not easy looking at me for as long as you have to, but at the same time, you know, they, it's like they got to have those graphics, they got to have all that media, they got to have a bouncing ball to follow. I mean, just something. Because we're just we're so brain dead these days. But listen, the more satisfied you are physically, the more out of tune you're going to be to the spiritual things. And it does not help at all. Churches are always less likely to see people saved when using things of the flesh. Romans chapter eight, verse six says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if we go and we, you know, and I decide to jazz up my sermon a little bit, you know, I'm going to preach a salvation sermon. Man, folks just aren't paying attention. Well, you know, maybe if I do a little magic act while I'm doing it, you know, I'll get their attention a little better. Maybe do some juggling, uh, you know, maybe do some acrobats uh, and give the plan of salvation at the same time. That'll work, right? Hey, as long as people get saved, that's okay, right? 
Listen, if I'm pleasing their flesh, they're going to be less likely to get saved. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For you to be saved, it's by grace through faith. And if I'm just giving your flesh everything at once, faith is the last thing that's going to happen. It just it doesn't work. I can get if I I can get people excited if we use the right kind of music and get you wound up emotionally enough. We can get you we can get you falling all over the place. We can get you crying. We can get you crying up here at the altar. We can get you to say whatever prayer we want. But you're not going to be any more saved than you were when you came in, because the things of the flesh they don't work. And the more focused in the flesh we are, the more we're going to doubt God. See, we won't understand why we're facing physical difficulties. People, why am I having physical problems? Aren't I a child of God? Hey, we're all going one way or the other. So you go a little sooner than later, He's still going to raise you up in the last day. You do realize that's why He came. He didn't come so you could have health and wealth. He came that you might have eternal life. And so, yeah, you can drop dead today. He's still going to raise you up in the last day. You're still going to go to heaven. You're still going to have eternal life. He fulfilled what He came to this earth for if you're saved. Jesus made it very clear in these passages that the sorrows of this earth are not going away. Yeah, your fathers ate man in the wilderness and are dead. Everyone who ate that bread, that 5,000 that ate of that bread, they all eventually died, didn't they? They were all hungry the next day. But the things that we are promised, the things that Jesus promised, they come at the resurrection. They come at the rapture. That's what it's all about. And we've got to make sure we stick with the same goal that Christ had, and that is helping people spiritually. We can use carnal things sometimes, but it should always be with the goal of getting to the spiritual things. Okay, That lost person that's spiritually dead out there, if you tell them, hey, Brother Tommy is going to preach a wonderful, spirit-filled message today. That's not going to excite them one bit. But if you tell them, hey, we're eating after church today, they might, they might come. They might come and hopefully, man, you know, they'll forget about the food for a little bit and they'll hear the spiritual message. But that's what we're all about. But let me tell you something. If we go and we throw the biggest party this town has ever seen and we have a great big crowd come, we are not, that does not mean we are successful as a church. Jesus Christ had a multitude chasing Him down. But what happened when He told the truth? All He had left was the twelve. That was it. And churches are using these physical things to bring in the multitudes. And they're, I'm here today to tell you, eternally speaking, they're accomplishing nothing. But what we saw, just the little girl that got saved this morning, that's what it's all about. That's more important than getting in a multitude of lost folks. That's more important than having some fun in the flesh. And we've got to make sure that we don't ever forget that. And when you are facing a physical difficulty, I'm not telling you God can't help you. God God won't help you. You can't pray and ask Him to help with that. You can do that. But if you don't get what you want, it's not Jesus didn't fail to keep one of His promises. He's done. If you're saved, He did exactly what He said He would do. And He will raise you up at the last day. The promises, the miracles, they, it was not about what He can do physically. It was about what He can do spiritually. And let's not forget that. So with that, let's all stand together. Let us focus on the spiritual over the physical.